Yeah, we believe around here that, uh, that rows are awesome. Like rows are great and useful and helpful for inspiration. We gather here on Sundays in rows and uh, someone generally talks. It's not really a two-way conversation. It's mostly a one-way conversation. If you stand up and start saying things, everyone around you is going to be mad, and we don't, you know, we don't do it that way. But we provide an opportunity for you to connect in a group setting. We call those circles. So rows on Sundays, circles during the week. And we find that circles are how life change really happens. It catalyzes real meaningful change. It's quicker. It's, it's more meaningful. You have... Pre- people that know you, that that notice when you're down, that know when you're struggling, that call you when you're sick, that that help. And so we just unashamedly say, get in a group. Life is just better this way. Some of you, you know, you have awesome network and family and friends and you're connected. That's that's wonderful. Some of us don't and we're just holding out because of busyness or or whatever those reasons are. Uh, It's just better this way. Would you consider going out on the patio at our Life Group Connect table today and signing up for a life group if you're not in one. My name is Caleb. I'm the lead pastor here. If we haven't had a chance to connect yet. And we are in a series called The Art of Relationships uh, because relationships are the fabric of our life. They're what life really is all about. And so we're talking about them in this series. And specifically this morning, we're going to talk about what love is. And I'm going to read to you the most quoted but least carried out verses on love in the Bible. You, you know these verses, even if this is your first time ever in church, because I trust that you've been to a wedding at some point. And if you've been to a wedding, there's an 80% chance that you've heard these verses read. I'm going to read them to you, and then we're going to come back and read the first three phrases together, okay? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's read the first three phrases together out loud. Will you join me? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Okay. So because you hear these verses mainly at wedding ceremonies, you can, ha- you can be tempted to think that it's mostly about weddings and marriages and maybe it's not relevant to you. That's dead wrong. This is about all of our relationships. And what we're getting at here is the fact that God is the source of this love and he intends it to be first for you and then through you to other people. So that's what we're basing this series off of. That's what we'll be talking about. And it's really important because I believe that most of you are confused about what love is because we live in a culture that's really confused about what love is. Imagine an alien just showing up on this planet and looking around at our billboards and and movies and shows and listening to our music and trying to discern, what is this love? What is this thing? Uh, I I wanted to just kind of take you back and, and remind you of what it would feel like to kind of just wake up here and try to figure out love by playing for you a few music clips, okay? So we're gonna take it back to the beginning to early childhood and play this first song. I love you, you love me, we're a happy family, 
with okay. a great big so, hug Barney and a the purple dinosaur. I don't even know you. Won't you How, say what are you trying you to tell me about me your love for me and that we're in a family? I don't want to be in your purple dino family. I don't know. I don't understand what you're talking about. Is that what real love is? And then this one. Love stings. Love stings. Yeah, yeah. Love stings. Love stings. Yeah, yeah. Love stings. Love stings. Yeah, yeah. Love stings. Love stings. Not from a who makes bad choices. It's because love is terrible and love is to blame. Next song. I would do anything for love. Oh, I would do anything for love. I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. No, 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 I won't do that. suggest to you that that love is really valuable and worth, you know, doing some stuff for up until the point of it costs you something, right? And it's like sacrificial. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go there. And th- this is, this is the, the last one. Go ahead and play the last one. Yeah, yeah. Some of you would rather we just let that thing go. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb, I'm sure you have some nice things to say, but can you give it a minute? Let's just. <clears throat> You've lost that loving feeling. I mean, that is what our culture believes that that love is a feeling, and sometimes I have it, and sometimes I don't, and and that's why a lot, not all, but that's why a lot of. Couples and marriages end up in divorce because they just don't feel it anymore. And, and we can't base love on our feelings. Love is not just a feeling. Sometimes I don't, most of the time, I don't feel like working out, but I always feel better after I work out. I'm glad that I did it. You know, I, I, sometimes I don't feel like going to the life group, but I'm always glad that I did afterwards. It's one of those things. Sometimes our actions can inspire the feelings that we want. It's, it's not just you, it's our culture. We're just confused about love. And you live in this culture, and you grew up in this culture, and you have friends and family and parents, and you've, you just absorb things all the time. And so it's understandable that we would all, all of us, me included, have some warped misconceptions about what love is and what love isn't. And so it's important that we keep coming back to the foundation, to the truth, to what God says about love. Because love is more than just not hurting somebody. Love is more than just tolerating somebody. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is more than just being married on paper, filed with the state. Love is more than just sex. Sex can be an expression of love, but sex is not just love. Somebody that tells you that is, I guarantee, not patient (laughs) and probably not kind. We'll talk more about sex later in a couple of weeks. You can look forward to that. Uh, Love is patient. Love is kind. And for our purposes this morning, the first fill-in in your outline, if you like to play along, love is paramount. Love is 
paramount. Love is ultimate is another word that you could put there. 1 Corinthians 13. These are the three verses that come right before the verses that are in your box that are more famous. Verse 1 through 3 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels. In other words, if I, if I could speak every language on earth, and if I could even know the language of the angels, like we had a connection and I talked to their language, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbals. Right? You could be the most impressive person, in other words. You could even be in touch with the divine somehow in this angelic way and like on that level. But if you don't love people, it's just noise. It's like, ah, you're really smart and I don't like being around you. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans, what's going to happen in the future, what he's doing, and I possessed all knowledge... It was just like Google was in my mind. I didn't even need a chip in 2030 to be in there. I just, I just know everything. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. It's nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love other people, I would have gained nothing which is a tricky one, right? Because kind of our security, we associate security with money. Like if I gave all my security away and even gave up my health, that's crazy generous. And you're telling me that if I didn't do it motivated by love, it's worthless? That's crazy. Love is paramount. And then love is God. 1 John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He is love. God is the source of love. And he, in fact, he is love. So people that are trying to like run away from God because they found some love over here are missing the point. Like that song that was so famous this last year about the guy who's saying, I would worship at the dawn, the dogs, you know that song? I'm running away from God. You know that song. That's good enough, isn't it? I don't remember all the words. I'm running away from this religiousness that I feel judged by and I'm going to this person that I find that fulfills me and gives me love. I promise you they've already broken up. It just doesn't work. It can't work. Love is God. If you detach those things, you can't be fulfilled. You can't be satisfied. You're settling for something less. And I realize, I realize, when we use words like this, that it's ambiguous and it kind of feels touchy-feely. And, and so uh, we'll come back to that at the end. We'll get a little bit more practical right here. Uh, I want to read to you, though, uh, the last phrase that we started with at the beginning. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Now, this is talking about something that's going to be a little bit challenging for us. I think that this is going to intersect with all of us at some level this morning. Last week we talked about categories and how we put people into categories so that we don't have to care about them. 
because they're in that category, and I, you know, I know what goes in that category, and so I don't have to care. This week, we're going to take it up a notch, and the, like the next level of awareness in this arena is, is this. Comparison is crushing your relationships. Comparison is crushing your relationships. Proverbs 14.30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Love does not envy. Love is not jealous. Another way, the way that envy plays out and jealousy plays out is by comparison. And I know, I know, all of us do this at some level and we don't even realize it anymore. And so if I tell you, which I'm going to ask you to do, is look at, your, look at this past week. Consider this past week. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, I can see where I compared, but probably most of you can't. So let me ask you this question. Think about whether or not this past week you stared. Did you stare at somebody or something? Because when you stare, you compare. <laughs> Did you stare at his car? Did you stare at her purse or shoes or body? Did you stare at his placard on the corner office? You could substitute the word glare in there too. When you glare, you compare, by the way. Another question. Did I get insecure this week? Because if you felt insecure, that means that you're not enough and you're not measuring up to what? If you felt insecure this week, you were comparing at some level. Another one, did I give myself a boost by stepping on someone else this week? Did I give myself a boost, some kind of, I felt better a little bit about myself because I saw them do something so bad or whatever that might be. Now, there are some objections. I, I, I know what some of your objections already are to this whole comparison thing, right? Because some of us feel like, come on, but I just do stuff better. <laughs> My way is just better. And, and, and it helps me to know that. And, and some of you are like, I'm a type A personality. Like, th this, is, this is how I stay motivated. I'm driven by being better than them and outperforming them. I get paid based on that. Or I compare to make sure that I don't look the way that they look. I, I don't want to be like them, and so I, that's, that's the only reason why I compare, just to make sure that I'm not you know, becoming like that, because that's sure not what I want to be. Trust me, when you compare, you are like that. You are. You're the thing that you don't want to be when you're comparing yourself to other people. And comparison for, for many of us is simply a defense mechanism, right? I think that oftentimes it is for me. I maybe or maybe not I'm walking around like comparing. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so as often. But I'll tell you this. When I feel like someone's comparing themselves to me, my comparison antenna is like, because, oh, oh, really? Like I was just leaving you alone and thinking nice thoughts about you. But then you start to compare yourself to me and put me down. Well, I will pick you apart. Right? And so it becomes like a defense mechanism because, well, they're making me feel insecure, so I'm going to take it back at them. 
It doesn't work. We perpetuate the problem. One of the things that I say to people all the time that care and ask me about stuff is let other people's issues be their issues. Let God work with them on that. Don't worry if they're comparing themselves to you. You worry about you. Because when you let their issues then become your issues and you start comparing and judging and pointing fingers and make yourself feel better, you're, you're perpetuating the problem. And you're making it worse for you. You're becoming a person that you don't want to be. It just doesn't work. Look at this verse from Ecclesiastes 4.4. 4. Solomon, who's considered the wisest man to have ever lived, he said, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbor. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their coworker, that person on TV, that brother-in-law, that neighbor. But this too, he says, is meaningless, like chasing after wind. Yeah, but... It drives me and gives me purpose. Exactly. It won't work. You will not be satisfied. There will always be someone else to compare yourself to. There will always be some other level that you are not yet. There will always be someone that you can put down and always be someone that you can put above yourself. It doesn't work out well for you. Here are three things that creativity or that uh, comparison does. The first is comparison destroys creativity. You're not creative when you're comparing. You know that? So here's what I know. I know that observation is the father of creativity, right? So there's a, there's a place for observing, learning, looking, watching, being aware of. And yet this is something different. This is when observation shifts to obsession, and now it's just, I'm just consumed with, and I'm comparing, and, and I, I should have, and he shouldn't, and that's not really as good as it looks like it is. You see what I mean? It's different. And when you're comparing, you can't be creative. You were designed to be creative. You, you are made in the image of the creator of the universe. You have his creativity gene. Comparison destroys creativity. Comparison diminishes uniqueness. It diminishes uniqueness. There's no one else in the world like you. There's no one like you. There's never been anyone like you. There never will be anyone like you. You are you. And God has a path and a plan for your life that no one else can fulfill. No one can do what he has for you to do because you're unique. And you live in this time and this place for such a time as this. And no one can do what you're supposed to do. So why do you keep looking at what other people are doing? What they're doing is not what he has for you. Yes, you can learn, but when you compare, you lose your creativity and you diminish your uniqueness and their uniqueness. You are unique. Only you can be you. And we need you to be you. The third thing comparison does is it devalues worth. Devalues worth. You never win when you compare. Because when you compare yourself to someone who's better than you at something, you'll be insecure. You'll feel worse about yourself. When you compare yourself to someone who's worse than you at something, you get a sense of pride. You get puffed up. Both don't serve you. 
Both are not what you want. Let them be unique in what they're doing and you be unique in what you are doing. We reduce value down to tastes and performance and opinions, putting others down to elevate ourselves or, or thinking, well, they should probably be envying me. That's not the way that you want to live. When I was growing up, I had uh, a grandfather who was a pastor, and then my dad was a pastor, and then I went to USC, and I was a business communication major, and I got feedback that I was a good communicator, and then I went to Saddleback, and I worked for Rick Warren, who's written like the best-selling book besides the Bible of all time, and spoke to tons of people, and he said that I had potential, and I just had like this thing, like this... And so I became a little bit obsessed with speaking and with leading, the two things that were kind of like ingrained in my identity because I thought that these are the two things I was supposed to do. You'll find, probably many of us, that whatever you've let kind of get attached to your identity, those are the things that you compare yourself to others the most. And so I would sit in the back of a room like this and I would critique the speaker because I thought that I should be a great speaker. And it was beyond just like learning from him or her and, and thinking, oh, that was good. I should do it that way. No, 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 no. It was like, oh, I noticed that he stepped back when he made that point, so I don't think he really believed it. Uh, and I think that he was insecure. And I mean, like all the way down, why did he choose those shoes? Doesn't he know? I mean, like I would, I would critique the heck out of speakers because I wanted to be that and I secretly didn't feel like that or that I wasn't very good and no one was asking me to speak anywhere yet. And it was just corrosive to my heart. It's just not who you want to be. You know how that broke for me? God had to break me. I went through a quarter-life crisis where I lost everything and and was embarrassed, and you know everything was falling apart, and like, people close to me could see it, and it was so humbling. It wasn't, it wasn't just the humbling that broke it and got out of me. You know what it was? After the humbling and the disappointment and the failure and all that, I realized that God still had a plan for my life. Like I had heard verses and talked about things my, you know, since I was a kid, but never had I really experienced the sense that even in my worst, desperate, broken, dark heart, that God loved me there. That it wasn't just based on my performance. That I didn't have to be like this religious, moral perfectionist that he loved me just as I was. And I had to go through, for me, I had to go through terrible circumstances for that to sink into my head and heart. I realized that God's kindness leads me to life change. That God is love, that love is kind. I found that God was patient with me. And here's what some of you have heard said a hundred times, but I'm not sure that you really receive it and let it sink in. And it's simply this. God loves you. Now, stop, and don't let it just be like a Sunday school thing that a pastor is supposed to say. Like, God loves you. You. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. He doesn't love you any less today because of what you did last night. 
He doesn't love you any less today than when he did when you were born and came out of the womb and you've had all this damage done in this time. He loves you the same. He just wholly and completely loves you like a little kid bouncing on his lap. Sure, maybe mom or dad hopes that you grow up to be an astronaut or that you play the piano like mom or that you do whatever. Sure, those things are nice. But they love you as you are. And he is love. Any kind of shadow of love that our parents or family members had, he is the real deal. And he loves you just as you are. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That just means that when you were at your worst, he died for you. Like if you go in your mind to the place that you don't like to go because you don't like to think of it because you're like, I can't even believe that I ever did that. If you go to that place, maybe it was 30 years ago, maybe it was last night, and you go to that place in your mind, the the darkest, grossest, you don't want anyone to know about this, you go there and you realize that in that space is where Jesus died for you. And he would do it again. It's not about performance. It's not about you being perfect. You as you are. Because he created you. That sense that you have, that love that you have for your dad or that love that you have for your kids, that comes from him. He feels like that about you and so much more. And it's not based on what you do. Sure, we love for me, for you to grow and improve and to be more consistent in your walk with God and to pray and to be more kind and patient and all those things are great, but they have nothing to do with your value. Your value is done and sealed. It is what it is. You are valued. You are loved. If you can never get married, you're loved. If you're ne- never able to have kids, you're loved. If you can't figure out how to fix that thing that's broken in your life, you're loved. If you never come back to church after this morning, you're loved. If you go to 10 Bible studies this year or zero Bible studies this year, you're loved the same. When you were at your worst, you were loved. Even though you recently did that thing again, You're loved. Even though you're anxious and afraid and struggling to trust God, you're loved. Regardless of the deep insecurities that are inside you, even in this moment, you're loved. Despite the fact that you've added to the insecurities of others, you're loved. You are loved. And love is paramount, and love is God. And then the last thing here is love is enough. Love is enough. The foundation of all your relationships is being secure in God's love for you and trusting that his love for you is enough. That's how you can love others well. Let's look at these last verses together. It says, Dear friends, Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. 
Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When you know that you are loved, you can be confident. And from that place of confidence, you don't have to compare yourself anymore. You don't need to. It's not, the answer is not just like, like flexing your muscles, stop comparing, stop comparing, stop comparing. That's not going to work for you. The answer is to know how much you are loved and to place your confidence in that fact. When you find yourself wanting to compare this week, would you consider shifting your mind to these truths, these last three fill-ins on your outline? God's love is enough. Just say it again, write it again. God's love is enough. So I have confidence that I am enough. So I can love others with confidence and not comparison. That's how it happens. That's how it works. You can put a rubber band on your wrist and snap it every time that you compare yourself to someone else if you want. But it comes from knowing how loved you are. And in your darkest place, that's where God loved you. And he loves you the same, no matter what you've done, where you are. Some of us really need to take that to heart. Probably all of us, because speaking for myself too. So I want to pray and I want to invite some of you that especially maybe you've never trusted and put any kind of confidence in knowing that God loves you. Maybe you've had not great examples of love for most of your life and you need, you need a restart, a reset, and a reconnect with the God who designed you. So I just want to pray and I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you that you are love. You're the source of love. You're not hiding it from us. You're just, you just lavish it on us. You love us, not based on our performance, our, our superb morality, our, our perfect record. You know it all, and you love us the same. We're your kids. And I pray that you would help us to receive that truth this morning. I pray that you would especially speak to the people that are here that have never really embraced that love, would you give them the courage to take that step of faith? And would you give us all the confidence to know that we are wholly, completely, and uniquely loved by our Creator, our Heavenly Father, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as we respond?